0: Welcome back to the Spacemakers Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Gates. We're doing another two-episode drop. If the other episode isn't out yet by the time that you're listening to this, it will be very soon, because along with the toxic masculinity episode you're listening to now, we're dropping an episode on women in church. But don't you go thinking that that episode is just for women, or even that this one is just for men. We think both are so important for everyone to listen to. The Women in Church episode will talk about gender roles, patriarchy in church, and feminism, and more. Like always, we ask that before you watch any of our episodes, you go to the intro to season two first so you can kind of get an idea of what our podcast is all about before moving on to our topical conversations. And just as a reminder, we do have a website now. It is spacemakerspodcast.com, and it has all of our episodes. It has transcripts to most of our recent episodes. It has a ton, a ton of resources on different topics and a little donate button just in case you want to help support us and a lot more. Both of the episodes we're dropping this week are a lot about gender and patriarchy. I know, that's a big buzzword and a very politicized one. There are a lot of assumptions that happen in some people's minds when they hear the word patriarchy, but we want to talk about it. Patriarchy is by definition simply a societal structure or a system in which men hold the power. Patriarchy isn't an opinion, it's a descriptor word for the way that dominant modern culture exists. For example, in most churches, men lead. Even in a lot of churches where women get to take on certain leadership roles, men are usually the ones who even give that authority in the first place. In American government, yes, there are female leaders, but in the end, the power has been majorly and historically male. Globally, most world leaders are men. In most family structures in the world, the father is the one with the most power. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the patriarchy. There will be lots and lots of really good resources, we'll link about this on our website. So something we wanted to discuss in our conversation about patriarchy is toxic masculinity. We'll define that term in this interview, but we wanted to have a conversation with a few men on this topic. We're excited for you to hear from a couple panel guests and a couple of our Spacemakers. I'll still be conducting the interview, but you'll be hearing from my husband, Devin Gates, and from our British Spacemaker, Alex Cameron. For this episode, we also decided to tap the shoulder of a Spacemakers listener. He's a friend, and we've loved so many of his insights we've seen on our Facebook community group, so we're excited to have Mario Zamora. We also are excited to have on Noah Mata, who is a lead evangelist of a new ICOC church planting in Washington, D.C. called Capital Collective. Noah's also been a good friend and has been a great supporter of the Spacemakers. He also has his own podcast, The Messy Middle, which we recommend checking out. I want to add a little disclaimer that, as you may notice, we're doing an episode basically about men and an episode basically about women. The spacemakers want to make it very clear that we believe in respecting and making space for those who do not fall into either sex or gender category. If you're not okay with that, we want to just point out that, for example, it is a fact that there are, medically speaking, intersex individuals. People who are born anatomically both male and female. And while intersex people aren't the only ones who don't fall into either traditional sex categories, it is a fact that proves that sex isn't always one or the other. We're going to do a series on the LGBTQ community and our beliefs on that subject. But here at Spacemakers, we just wanted to be clear that we believe these things are not as binary as we once thought. We'll have a discussion about whether or not certain things are okay or a sin. But for now, we just wanted to say that through this episode and all our episodes, we want to be acknowledging non-binary individuals and are trying our very best not to exclude them from the narrative or conversation. We will talk about the morality and spirituality of all of it, but we're not going to debate their existence. That said, these next couple episodes will be very much about men and then about women. Because in traditional church contexts and present ICOC contexts, the main conversation about gender is very traditional and binary, so we wanted to have conversations about the way people function within the current male experience and the current female experience generally. Sorry, I know there was a lot of disclaimers to cover and definitions and all that, but I'm done now. So, with no further ado, let's go to the episode. Braver and bolder. guys so much for coming. Um, I'm joined by four men this time. I feel like normally Spacemakers episodes are very like women heavy so this is like funny. Um, But yeah I'm so glad to be here with you guys. We're gonna do like a kind of little mini panel situation. Um, Okay so I'll have the Spacemakers introduce themselves first very briefly. Um, We've got Alex and we've got Devin so I'll let devin say hi first basically
1: hey it's devin you know how it is (laughs) you know who it is uh yeah if you haven't tuned in before i'm like the audio engineer and i produce this podcast so that's me
2: (laughs) hey guys um it's good to be back it feels like it's been a while um but i'm excited to so yeah, to so just jump back in. It's great to just be with all of you.
0: Awesome. Okay, Um. next I'm going to introduce Mario Zamora. I said that last name, right? Right? Mario Zamora. Um. Yeah, Mario has been one of our very like dedicated listeners. And so we feel like we've gotten to know him a lot um, in our little community group, in our little, <clears throat> sorry, my voice, in our little like, Chats and stuff like that. And he's had some really great things to say. So we're like, okay, why not have um, a Spacemakers listener come and kind of co- contribute to an episode? So we're really excited to have him here and he's going to have some good things to say. So, Mario, if you could introduce yourself a little bit.
3: Hey guys, this is Mario. Oh, a little bit about me. Uh, I guess in this context, I was part of the, or I technically am still part of the ICOC, I think. Uh, anyways, uh, in 08, I was, I grew up in Mexico. I was raised in Mexico. And in 08, I moved to the States for college and I had no friends. And that's when the ICOC came in. Uh, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, so 08, so it's been now 13 years, something like that. Uh, currently I am a husband and I am a, a dad also to my baby daughter she's almost two and yeah excited to to talk with you guys.
0: Awesome nice to have you and then we have Noah Mata.
3: Yeah well it's great to be
4: here I am Noah Mata I am a um, Currently a pastor and I lead uh we're we're actually doing a church plant right here in DC called the Capital Collective Church. Um, and yes, I'm still technically in the ICOC. And um, and I say that with like deep respects for like relationships that I have within um this like network of churches. Uh, but my allegiance is to Jesus, you know, like that's my uh it's my identity. Um, he is like who I kind of center my life around. Um, but I'm Filipino proud of it Shoot, You know, that's why Isabel is like, like fam, uh, no matter what. Yeah. I've had, a, um, especially with this topic, uh, a very, uh, this, this topic means a lot to me, uh, especially, uh, just, coming into the fold, uh, in our, in, in this, in, yeah, in this network of churches. Uh, so I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm also married. Patty, Patty Mata is amazing. Patty Burridge to many. She, uh, she's the best. And if you don't know about her, what you do with your life.
0: <laughs> Thank you guys all for coming. Um, I'm excited to really get into this topic Okay, so let's just start with the definition of toxic masculinity when I googled it. So this is what came up. Toxic masculinity involves cultural pressures for men to behave a certain way. And it's likely this affects all boys and men in some fashion. Toxic masculinity refers to the notion that some people's idea of quote unquote manliness perpetuates domination, homophobia, and aggression. Okay, so that's what Google says, do you guys agree with this definition? Is there anything you don't agree with or want to change slash add?
1: Hey, this is Devin. Um, I just wanted to, I don't know, I think add on this definition a little bit. I feel like what toxic masculinity means for me is like it's a box of behaviors that men are allowed to um, do, I guess there are a box of behaviors men are allowed to adopt and should adopt. And like, it's good for men to adopt those behaviors, essentially, like m- toxic masculinity rewards those certain behaviors. And I think the harmful thing about it, one of the many harmful things about it is most men don't fit that profile. You know, most men uh, aren't aggressive. Most men aren't macho, etc. Um, so that's, that's all I'd add to that.
3: And I think the toxic part of it is that there's a power on balance with it. So because men are supposed to be, quote, you know, macho or whatever, there is a clear like, okay, well, anything else is below. And so the toxic part of it is bringing, keeping or, you know, keeping, quote, or putting other people down.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, and uh, I'll kind of add to that for me like the the toxic part is acknowledging it's actually unhealthy. I think it's not just talking about a certain personality type. That like there's nothing wrong with, you know, loving working out and doing sports and like something that's seen as, you know, masculine, I enjoy those things. But There's a toxic side of, like uh, Mary was saying about, you know, being competitive at the expense of others, That those things harm you. That's why it's toxic. So I think we can, yeah, we can often see it, like we can maybe observe on the surface a kind of shallow elements of it, but I think it can go much deeper uh, and be a lot more harmful than we realize.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, do you guys have any examples of where toxic masculinity has shown up around you or in your life or how would someone know that's toxic masculinity?
4: Yeah, I'll go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's funny when I was in high school, so I played high school sports. I played soccer and basketball. Uh, I also went to high school in Connecticut. So Being, there's so many layers, Uh, you know, being a brown man in Connecticut, Filipino, but nobody really knew what that was um, in the 2000s. And uh, it was one of those things, though, where for me, um, a a way that I've seen that is in just like clothing expression, you know. So for me, one, one thing I noticed is everybody wore the same thing. And I hated that. It was one of those things where I was like, why are we all popping our collars? Like, that was the time, you know, Hollister. <laughs> I, I ended up working at Hollister, and that was the worst. Um, but one way that I saw it, it was so, so, so funny. When I actually worked at Hollister, I showed up to work, um, and I didn't pop my collar. And <laughs> I actually buttoned up my, um, my, my button up, like, all the way up. And uh, it was so funny because I tucked it as well. And then I just like wore something else that just didn't fit like the uh, the assignment, if you will. And I was like, they have models, you know, at Abercrombie and Hollister. Really what that means is you stand there and pretend like you're folding clothes. And uh, man, this <laughs> it's just like bringing me back like Laguna Beach type stuff. And then uh, basically what was funny was my manager's uh both came and both identified as women and they they were like you you dress like one of us (laughs) and i was like what does that mean and then another one of my uh co-workers came in he worked. he played on the football team he was like yeah bro you dress in mad sus and i was like what does that mean (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I and basically I was just, we had this whole discourse in the middle of Hollister at like eleven thirty a.m. because nobody's showing up there, um, and it was so funny because it was it it started this discourse that was always like underlying mm. um, that kind of permeated in other spaces where it was like yeah because I dress in a way that is expressing myself like you want to box me into a spot like you're saying that I dress like one of y'all.
0: Right. Something I'm seeing in that story, too, is this weird, like, it's like, oh, it's the worst thing to be more similar to women than you are to men. Even just in the way that you button up your shirt, it's like, oh, that's the worst thing you could possibly do is to button up your shirt like a woman. I don't know. I feel like that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Anyone else wanted to kind of talk about where toxic masculinity shows up in life?
3: So somewhere I see it, you know, me and my wife were, you know, just buying clothes for our, our, our daughter. Mm. And it's so funny uh, because you see all the shirts, you know, for boys. is like, oh, you know, I get dirty and like, you know, watch out for your daughters, you know, yeah. shirts that say that. And then you go to the girls section and it's like, oh, you know, my only Valentine is my dad or, you know. Like, all that kind of stuff. And, like, that's already imposing, you know, even to, I think, mainly to parents at that point. But but even just to kids imposing, like, oh, this is your box and this is your box. If you get out of that line, like, it's a shock, kind of like what Noah was saying.
1: Okay, I just wanted to say, Mario, I think that's so crazy because this is, like, a baby. (laughs) This is, like, a blank slate. (laughs) Like this is how you behave and this is how you behave. And I just think it's so crazy that we feel the need to like categorize people that aggressively before they can even speak and make decisions for themselves. Like that's already being enforced. That's sorry. That's just crazy.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And I think uh, to add to that, I think it gets into parents too, because like, Oh, so If my daughter starts playing with dirt and like jumping on puddles, like then I'm suddenly insecure. Is that wrong? But it's not, you know?
0: Yeah. Boys can play with like action figures, but Barbies are a no.
2: (laughs) I think for me, the most obvious thing was expressing emotion. Um, And so outwardly I was, I guess, in a lot of ways, seen as masculine um like i said i like sports a lot of my hobbies were seen stereotypically as male things i'm not saying that's right but in that sense it was reinforced but in terms of expressing my emotions and especially especially negative uh, emotions like sadness or kind of uh, melancholic um, I cry quite a lot like all my friends know that it's quite normal for me as an expression of how I feel and I've always been like that and I in a sense it's always been strange to me like why why do I cry more than most guys why does that why is that natural to me um why am I different in that way and it's somewhat strange like that I would even question it um and and see it almost as a gendered thing. And there's no reason it should be. Like that there's nothing genetic to say, like, oh, you know, women are predisposed to cry more. Like it's just an expression of my emotions. Um, but definitely as a teenager, there was this sense of judgment I would feel from people, and this kind of message of boys don't cry. And I know. It's one of those things that people might say and think it's harmless. This is what I was talking about before: is "oh, boys don't cry," you know, as a joke. But there is an underlying kind of scary message it's reinforcing: is like men don't know how to process or express negative, painful emotions. And when you say it like that, it's like, guys, wake up! Like that should be of concern to you. That that shouldn't be the normal. State of affairs, and I think it because I was like that, but I didn't kind of give in to the pressure that it was wrong or somehow weird, and I shouldn't be like that. And there was that that it was a problem. It kind of reinforced my, I guess, my independent nature. I, I, I was, I mean, in a sense, I'm proud of it. I'm proud to to be like that because that feels natural and authentic to me but it it did create a divide at the same time of i feel sometimes people couldn't relate other guys couldn't relate in the same way um and and actually okay people express emotions in many different ways not based on on gender um you know, that's that's what my experience
4: and uh, yeah similarly like yeah i I found myself crying a lot um and uh, but never really given the space to cry, uh, even in you know, religious spaces. And I think that's the that's the challenge. it's it's almost like there's something wrong if I'm crying. sometimes it's just there's not something wrong. It's something right,
0: right. But um, this next question was um actually a listener um question which is why is it toxic masculinity and why is it not toxic femininity? So I guess to interpret that in my mind, I'm like, so I guess they're asking kind of, why is this a, a man's issue? <laughs> um, why is there not, you know, toxic femininity, not really a thing in mainstream culture or not really a thing, maybe period. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on that?
3: So I think, just because there is that power imbalance where, I mean, we, it is a patriarchy. This is just, you know, that's, that's kind of how things are set up culturally, you know? In, in and so, because, yeah, there is, you know, traits that, you know, feminine traits that, you know, we also put in their box, but because it's not something or a power dynamic where, you know, the masculine traits that we associate with toxic masculinity art this is art, like inherently to put other people down you know and so i think that's why it's more toxic because yeah like sure there's stereotypes that, that feminine feminine stereotypes that, that somebody may fall into or you know go with that but it's not like oh you know putting other people down um knowingly or unknowingly i think because of the way we set up this power dynamic of men and men women underneath, I think that's the difference.
4: So Martin Luther King Jr. spoke on this interview, and uh, it was like one of the spicier interviews that he had. and uh, he said it's a cruel jest to say to an individual to tie them uh, lift themselves up to a boot um, up by their bootstraps when they have no ability and no advocacy to tie those bootstraps in the first place. And um, I think part of that was, you know, obviously speaking from the racial imperative, but the reality is like, he's speaking from a position of we are uh, the minority and we are also the culturally vulnerable. And uh, even, you know, echoing what Mario said, I think part of the reason why it's a masculinity issue is because we are in a position in culture of the, the, we are more in power, if that makes sense. Um, so thinking about even just with femininity, like those who are identified as women are culturally vulnerable at this point. Um, so even, you know, the Wright Institute talks about this idea that like we, we need to shift from toxic masculinity to understanding male fragility. And, uh, in a lot of ways it's like yeah men are fragile without even really recognizing it because there's this pressure to uh adhere to a system when in reality it just was never it was never meant to be that way so um yeah so that, i think that's why it is mainly like it's like let let's take responsibility here um and s- instead of trying to be like well you know all genders are responsible. You know, it's like, (laughs) well, let's try to address our responsibility in this factor first.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. Just to add to that. Um, I really like what both of you said. Um, I think it's worth thinking about. So like, I don't think anyone would question like there's a box that men are typically prescribed. Like this is how you behave. There's a box women are prescribed. This is how you typically behave. Um, and of course there's many people that don't fit those. There's non-binary people that exists. Um, but I also think it's worth thinking about who designed the boxes and who prescribed them. You know, I think it's interesting that men would benefit from being a box that's like archetypically stronger. Women are a box that's archetypically weaker. Like who stands to benefit from that relationship, And I don't think that it's like men sitting in a corner nefariously, like planning this out and being like, we're going to make women weaker and we're going to make men stronger so that men can benefit from this relationship. I just think that it's been a really long time since anyone's challenged the status quo.
2: Yeah, I think I like the kind of theme that we're coming at is this power, authority, influence. And I think it, it makes sense in what I observe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's impossible to talk about toxic masculinity without talking about violence. Um, You know, we've been talking about aggression and things like that. And, you know, when that gets out of hand, um, things can get kind of messy. And um, I don't know. I was wondering what your all's thoughts are on this kind of, you know, association of toxic masculinity with violence.
3: Well, I was thinking about how you know the whole thing of boys don't cry
0: right and so essentially
3: we're raising generally of course we're raising women to be humans with emotions that they know how to process them they're able to talk them out but we're also raising boys to not have those skills to essentially we're, we're stomping their emotional growth so i fit myself in this box because i Basically, my own identity that God gave me, I've been stunting it since I was a boy. And so I grab onto some picture, some idealized box of what a man's supposed to be like. And I pretend, you know, to like sports and I pretend to, you know, be rough or pretend to do all these things. And so I think it's that. And I think because of that, uh, you know, God made me to be a certain way. And because I am trying to fit myself in, in another box uh, that is not God's, you know, this whole picture is really not from from God. I think that I think that uh, disconnect may cause the aggression, may cause like, OK, well, I'm pretending to be this person, but uh, like unconsciously. And so then when there's a conflict, I don't know how to deal with it emotionally. So I just resort to, well, I'm angry all the time. Like, those are my emotions. I'm aggressive and I'm angry because I really don't know how I'm really feeling. You know, there's this feelingswheel.com and it's this picture of like all the feelings that you could have, a human could have, but I feel like, you know, men who are trapped in that cycle only have like anger and frustration and that's it.
0: Yeah. And I was wanting to talk about kind of where we see that in Christian spaces or church spaces because... Something that like Devin and I have talked about a lot recently that like I feel like I've been realizing slash seeing is this common theme of like in churches using war analogies and like men's retreats are always like warrior themed and we're gonna go into battle and the preacher's like screaming and like it's like so aggressive and so violent or like the sermons are like yeah, let's get this World War II movie up on the screen or or Avengers or like Superman. And like, which like, obviously, I you know, I love a Marvel film as much as the next person, but like, these are very violent things that we're using to propel our faith. And then I was just like, wait a second, Jesus used farming metaphors. Like, where did this come from? Like, Jesus would talk about like, you know, pottery and all this stuff. And I just like, don't see Jesus sitting in the, in the audience going like, I feel like he would be so confused about the whole like war. And like, I don't know, maybe it's just that we keep on going for these very violent metaphors in the old Testament instead of going for like kind of what Jesus stood for. But Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think of that whole train of thought? Cause it's been on my mind a lot. I feel like it's just this pattern that there's a lot to dissect from that, but, um, yeah. What are y'all's thoughts on that whole phenomenon?
4: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I'm a big band of brothers fan. Um, it's, uh, there's something about it though, that keeps me coming back to it. Um, And at first, I'll admit, like, a lot of it was because of the dramatization of war. You know, there is something about war where you see strategy, you see uh, individuals come and rise to the occasion as a hero. Right. And I think that's one of the narratives that are the hero's journey. Right. Is very, very much um, prevalent amongst uh, just the upbringing of any individual. the, the The sad part is that oftentimes we focus on the strategy of Bandon Brothers instead of the main point. And the main point is always, always, always fo- found within the interviews of those who actually fought. And you never hear any of them talk about, like, fondly about the violence that happened. Anyways, I say all that to say, I think... um, Part of the reason why I think violence is absolutely celebrated is because it becomes the point as opposed to a symptom of the point. And uh even in the stories of the scriptures, like uh, you know, David's mighty men, right? None of those exploits were supposed to be celebrated. The exploits that were supposed to be celebrated was the bond that they had between each other. And I think the bond isn't celebrated enough. What's celebrated is How do we get there? What's the process? Hey, strategy.
2: Like, let's overtake the world, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I I love that. Um, And I talked about crying, right? That's, let's say, okay, sadness and pain in that sense is one emotion. But anger, anger, very... (laughs) Me and anger, we know each other quite well. um, And we have a complex relationship. And it's, it's weird because I think peop- it surprises people now if they didn't know me when I was like a teenager to say, yeah, I was violent as a teenager. Like I would get in fights. I would punch things. I would kick things. Like I would lash out. What I found really hard to comprehend was why is anger always seen as bad? Why? Why, like, why is, I'm upset, I'm angry about something, but I don't know how to express it because it's seen as just a negative thing. And I think we have this, again, within kind of uh, toxic masculinity, it's like there's this desire to express this anger and frustration that's natural, that's very real. It's a pressure that can build up. And I think a lot of people will, will relate to that. But because we don't have healthy ways to express it, we explode. And I know that it, that's hard for some people to imagine. But in my experience, some people just don't get angry very much. And so it's really hard for them to imagine. Why would you get violent? But for me, that's very real of I'm trying to express something I feel so strongly and there can be elements of good. Yeah, when we celebrate these images of war it is kind of glamorized. We don't really see uh, what 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 goes on behind the scenes um, and we don't, we also just don't know what it's like. like how, how can we celebrate that when we're completely ignorant of the reality?
3: I think just thinking about you know, how retreats are like, yeah, we're gonna go hiking and we're gonna eat bacon and all these like aggressive things at church or a retreat, right? And like it's funny too, I'll say this super briefly. Like you show up to a men's class or like a men's retreat and your voice just drops and you don't even know for some reason. It just does. Anyways, I think it's just like the whole thing of aggressiveness and retreats and all these kind of things. It perpetuates that emotional immaturity. Like, yeah, it's not wrong to feel angry or frustrated. But I think sometimes, I know personally, like, it may not be just angry. Like, how can, like, my reaction to everything at home or anything that happens is anger? Like, it's probably not. Like, it it probably is something else. So, you know, in the beginning of our marriage, my wife, she said, okay, I want you to look at this. Uh, what is called a feelings wheel. Actually, if you just go to feelingswheel.com, it pops up. And so she kind of prompted me when she saw an emotional reaction that a lot of times looked like angry, she prompted me, okay, look at this, you know, pay attention to it. Which one do you feel? And I think she just was just helping me develop that emotional maturity and so that I'm able to say, my emotions are not just anger and frustration, which all those are valid. But sometimes, you know, being able to process that correctly, we're like, oh, actually, I, f- I feel disrespected or I feel dismissed or I feel unheard. You know, those a little more complex and nuanced things that if you have words to them, it will help help you process. But sometimes, you know, because of how society has made us boys on cry or whatever. Sometimes we don't even have the words to process those feelings. And so a lot of times, I know for me, it just comes out as anger. And so I think, you know, again, going back to the mainstream traits, is just perpetuating that. And I just thinking about it, it makes me think like, man, it's crazy because like, it should have not been my wife to help me process and, and put words to those emotions. It should have been a therapist. Imagine if it was a therapist in my teenage years, like how society, like we'll be in utopia, like it'll be crazy. But it's just like, okay, we need to kind of stop, you know, associating masculinity to like this aggression and and actually slow down, kind of what Jesus did. Like, okay, like you think about like pottery and you think about gardening. Like those things take a lot of time and a lot of patience. And I know for me, like we started uh, our own garden in the back. We're growing peppers and whatnot, and it yeah, it's a lot of time like it's a lot of just staring at nothing at dirt you know and so it kind of gives you space it gives you time to process how do i feel about things is it really angry all the time you know and so i think perpetuating aggressiveness is actually harmful
1: yeah mario i've honestly used the emotions wheel like a lot also (laughs) Honestly, it's, like, really helpful for whenever I'm feeling something that I don't understand, something kind of complex. Um, Yeah, that's a real thing. Uh, But my response to the question, um, Izzy, would be, I don't know, like, this is, like, super overgeneralizing, but soldiers are more useful to an empire than humans, you know? And, like, men in these retreats are, like, socialized with, like, soldier quote unquote language and you know soldier behaviors and things like that and we think about soldiers soldiers do what they're told soldiers don't ask for permission soldiers are aggressive humans ponder humans take long walks humans are funny humans make art and I don't know like soldiers are a lot more useful to growing an empire than a human and I don't think that it's a mistake that churches do this and not even churches, but nations do this and socialize men to be a certain way because it's useful. And I think especially for men that like hold on to this idea of masculinity so strongly, who are you really serving? You know, like, is this for you? Because I don't know. I think it's worth thinking about was this actually passed down to you and is this a trait that you decided to adopt as a human or is it socialized into you and are you acting like a soldier and following orders? So I don't know. That's my spicy take. You know, it's funny, like even
4: thinking about, like, uh, I was having a conversation with someone who, um, yeah, played played sports at a high level. And um, basically he was talking about how the whole idea of like, there's a transference from war to sports and uh, where every player is like a soldier. So I I think even to your point, Devin, that's like so poignant because um, even the whole like LeBron James, shut up and dribble thing. um, If you guys know, don't know, but like every time LeBron for a a long time, LeBron was commenting on, especially after I'm on Aubrey and all these different things uh, uh, in 2020, um, LeBron was very vocal about um, his thoughts on justice. And uh, essentially, a lot of pundits spoke back and clapped back to him, said, shut up and dribble. And uh, again, like almost boxing him in into you are this, you're just a basketball player. You're not a human being. And uh, I think that's what's so uh, fascinating, right? And also heartbreaking is that, yeah, there's totally a transference of that soldier mentality onto human beings. Yeah. I've definitely been a soldier, uh, abiding by barking orders. Um, so.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, it's in a way it's easier, you know, like it's, you just robot, you can just do, you know, um, whatever. And I, you guys talking, got me thinking, um, got me remembering a very specific conversation with church leaders that we had, uh, last year where, so, uh, you know, we sat down with these leaders and as the space makers, they were asking us all these questions about, you know, what should we do and to, fit, you know, change things and all this stuff. We gave them this long list of all this stuff, you know, ranted about, you know, racial justice and gender equality, all these things, you know. Um, and then at the end of it, it was like they didn't even hear any of it because they were like, you know what our problem is? And I was like, what, what do you think our problem is? They were like. I think we need to figure out a way to convert like men better because you know church we like talk about our feelings all the time and like where are the men like we need like how are we going to get the men if we're just sitting around talking about our feelings all the time and i was just like so astounded because i was like obviously i know what kind of what they're thinking cuz I, I i grew up in the church but like I was just like, why, why, why is this what we're worried about right now? And I, I just think of the world when Jesus was around and it's like, you had this stark contrast of like, you had the Roman soldiers taking over the town you had, you know, and, and all the violence that came with that. And so what they wanted as uh, you know, as as a people, they were like the, – I mean, Jerusalem, they were all like, you know, we're waiting for the Savior to be this huge warrior. We're waiting for him to, you know, take out all the Roman soldiers, and that's what they were waiting for. And then you have this man who would, you know, use farming metaphors, and he'd just talk, and they everyone would just sit around, eat some fish, get on a boat, like – and I'm like – Like, it just makes me so sad that like, there's all this focus on men. I don't know what they want. Like, should we just all go hunting for church? Like, I don't really, I'm confused what the goal is there, but I'm like, you know, it's just like, wow, you're, you're not, would you be able to joyfully participate in Jesus ministry if you were around at the time? If the things that you're glorifying are, you know, I don't, I don't even know what, but like. You know, like, Jesus did sit around and talk about feelings. That's kind of what he did. Like, um, I don't know. So that's just, like, it's giving me, like, flashbacks to certain conversations. Um, I also just kind of wanted to talk about, you know, men's relationship with women specifically. All of you guys have, you know, girlfriends, wives, um, even daughters in your life. Or just, you know, female friends, because that's normal. Um, And, you know... I guess how has fighting this toxic masculinity slash slash patriarchal way of thinking helped your relationships Um, or how has, how have these women helped you even?
4: I think one of the areas in which I love my wife so much. And one of the reasons um, she captivated me was because of her relationship with men. and specifically uh how she was able to dismantle walls um that and even of some of the most toxic toxic masculine men I knew, and she was able to uh see beyond the the barricades and um I think that's one of the areas in which i I feel like and why I you know made a decision to choose her as my partner is I knew that. It wasn't just for me, but um, that choosing her would also mean pathways for my own peace um, and my own healthy relationship with women. Um, and as someone who struggled, struggled with sex addiction um, and specifically um, objectifying women um, and that being kind of like a, a hidden uh, hidden skeleton in my closet for a long time. Um, so many of the areas in which I realized was just how, um, even how dangerous that was, if it went unprocessed, that it would totally lead to uh, a warped view of my power over women, my dominion over women. Um, and I think one of the, the areas in which I feel really grateful and kind of feel so blessed just by circumstance, Um, And kind of God providing pathways through relationships was having healthy platonic relationships with women and men and uh, individuals that didn't identify as either. Um, And I think what was amazing about that, and uh, I remember, I'll I'll say this one thing. So uh, one of the individuals that didn't identify as either, um, I was at Temple University and he uh they became my uh you know like happy hour buddy and uh we go like once a week for like 6 months and it was just what was so amazing about that was just us being able to really like have safe discourse back and forth and but i i would have some people be like yo why are you going out with that person like you don't want to get you don't want to like send mixed mixed signals and i'm like First of all, second of all, and third of all, like you, you don't even understand our relationship. Um, there's no mixed signals because we I say what I mean and the other individual says what we mean. You know, it's like, why? Like, so it's just like, what does this look like? I'm like, I don't what does it look like to you? You know? Um, so I think there's just areas like that in which we've conditioned again, socialized ourselves to think about those moments as danger zones or like not getting the right picture. Um, But I just think that just comes with emotional health that uh, so many individuals, especially men do not have.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is Devin. Uh, I wanted to share about how like my view of having a relationship with Izzy changed over time. Um, Not necessarily like our experience in the relationship, I feel like that was always pretty constant, but like what we expected it was going to become. Um, because like, for instance, when we started dating, we got all this advice about how I'm supposed to treat Izzy and how about she's supposed to treat me. And we were like, you know, this is embarrassing telling this, that we like had to jump through all these hoops, but like, you know, we got advice about boundaries when we first started dating and we were told like, Hey, um, you shouldn't front hug, even though we were like, we're totally okay with front hugging. They were like, actually, when you front hug a woman, you can feel every curve in her body. And I was like, I wasn't even thinking about that. But I guess if you want to reduce a woman to that, then you do you. (laughs) So obviously, we didn't follow that advice. And like, we kind of just kept doing things our own way and like continued to be surprises. Like, you know, during marriage counseling, there was like a lot of emphasis put on like, men lead the relationship, women, like, follow kind of thing. And then, like, now we've been married for, like, a year and a half. And, like, never once have we felt the need for, like, one of us to put our foot down. It's, like, I I don't understand, like, whenever people say, like, someone needs to lead this relationship, I'm, like, what do you mean it's a relationship? (laughs) Like, I, like, in every other relationship in my life, no one leads it, like, it's kind of a mutual thing. That's kind of how relationships work. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'd say like a lot of these things that we are like socialized to believe and like socialized to, uh, like treat women a certain way. I'm like, these weren't at all necessary or accurate. or <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like our experience was just completely different from, from that. And I, I just didn't find a need to adopt that at all into our relationship and i can see like how that would be extremely toxic and hurtful if i followed a lot of the advice that i got on how to treat women and it took me like resisting that and like seeing beyond that and it took you know becoming emotionally more healthy and more aware and you know to treat izzy like a human being and i i wouldn't do anything less than that i refuse to so yeah that was my experience
0: Right. Yeah. Even like I don't know, thinking about even like this podcast, I'm like it wouldn't have happened if we like prescribed like even Devon I's relationship to like what we're supposed to you know, it's like I'm I'm talking most of the podcast. I am doing a lot of the quote unquote leading in a way. And like if Devin had done that, like it's just it's not his strength. And like we've talked about it and that's not his That's not his thing. His thing, he's great at editing, doing the background stuff and then coming in with, you know, thoughtful things every once in a while. But like, you know, it it just would have been like it would have been kind of stupid if we were like, yeah, but like he's the man. So he needs to really talk more and like he needs to be the one to ask the questions and then allow me to speak. You know, like that would have we wouldn't have gotten a podcast out like that. (laughs) Things like just as simple as that. Um, but yeah alex did you want to say something
2: yeah i I think um, kind of to say thank you to to the women in my life I mean my current relationship and um, but even my mom and a lot of my female friends they've not judged me or, or or made me feel embarrassed or uncomfortable about expressing those emotions if anything they've praised it and 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 kind of encouraged and supported it.
0: Um, so we know that like or at least I feel like, you know, this whole like trying to fight toxic masculinity and patriarchy, like it's an ongoing battle. It's not something that you can just I'm done, I'm you know, I'm one of the cool guys now and don't have to worry about that. Um so I guess for you guys, what are the ways that you're still fighting those those things in your head, in your life? And, you know, also what are the ways that you would want to encourage other people to kind of practically start, you know, weeding out those <laughs> toxic things in their lives? Mario?
3: Yeah. So I think just you see Jesus, you know, using his, his position of power and privilege as a man in a society that was heavily patriarchal and what he did with that power and privilege is to make platform for the unprivileged and so he would always you know you know go to woman and you know give a woman a platform to say her part you know say what she has to say you know he would give a platform for you know and and not just woman men hierarchies but also like he is almost like he sought, okay, what are all the hierarchies that we have here? Okay, so yeah, the unclean, the, the leopard guy, yeah, let me put the spotlight on that guy. You know, the 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 Gentiles, you know, the poor, the unclean. Like he used his uh position of privilege as a man, uh, to give, you know, to advocate, but also to give platform to others. And that, so for me today one way to fight uh you know this this notion of of you know woman or men and then woman is to do that, you know, use my whatever platform I have to to you know build platforms for you know women to speak. You know, I know I'll share this, like we were also talking to our leaders about just things that you know kind of we're not seeing eye to eye with. And I felt really offended, like, because I was trying to set up lunch with the evangelist, you know, like, you know, me and my wife and him and his wife, and we'll just have lunch and we'll talk. But what he said is, like, let's just have coffee, just us two, like, don't bring your wife, and let's just do us two. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way so much because I just felt like, no, this is about her speaking and her saying her part. Like, I'm, I'm not her microphone, you know, like I have my own things to say, but I, she, she needs to, you know, have a platform where she could say her part, you know, and it's not that I'm allowing her to speak. It's just like, no, she's a human. She has things to say and she has really important things to say. And you should be concerned about those things too. Not just whatever I decide, oh yeah, say this part or that part, you know? And so the main thing is using whatever position I have and give it to others. You know, that's what Jesus did. He flipped those hierarchies upside down. And so what it looks like today is just to be an advocate, but just to consciously, you know, make platforms for, for women, in this case, to speak.
4: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Mario. I, I, so coming from like a pastoral church leader, vocational perspective, too. I think, um, one thing that I've realized is, uh, there's no way I can do what I do in a healthy way or sustainable way, uh, without pursuing like deep, like work, um, both emotionally, but also, uh, like positioning myself to like, actually have people who've got my, uh, who can like cover my six, that's a military term, LOL. Um, but, um. But yeah, I, I think I think one area that I realize, and even if I can actually speak to that evangelist, uh, one thing that I wonder is, does that evangelist maybe feel ill-equipped or unsafe or vulnerable to speak with both of you? Does that make sense? So like, and it's funny because what if that evangelist were to communicate, "Hey, I just actually feel like ill-equipped and unsafe." and vulnerable and uh i think i need to process that you know and yeah so again like that's that's like one thing that i've realized so definitely speak to that um because i feel like for me that's been like a pathway uh when i've communicated that way i'm like hey because there's a lot of pressure that both we place on ourselves but then also like we we uh we inherit you know? And yes, it's like to be in a position of that kind of leadership is vulnerable in and of itself, but man, like, like to be able to communicate my feelings are hurt or I'm unprocessed or I don't know what to do with that. You know what I mean? Like, um, cause that would evade the savior complex, if that makes sense, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you want to speak to that, Mario.
3: Yeah. I'll speak to that. I think, had he said that, what you just said, I think it would have been wonderful. I think because like I am not me, I'm also not expecting an evangelist to fit a box. And I feel like they box themselves in. Like I am not like, you know, as a leader, I'm not supposed to say, you know, oh, I'm I'm I don't think I'm equipped to handle this thing. Like I think they're like, don't let themselves say that. I think it would have been wonderful. I think something else also with jesus is he he led with with vulnerability and not like and i guess it's hard to say because jesus was perfect i i think something that sometimes leaders do is they try to lead with this perfection that is not real but i feel like it's better when they lead with vulnerability like because they're just showing that they're human like it i think even with men you know Yes, with leaders too, but just men like men that are healthy emotionally that can model to other men. Hey, I'm um, I feel this, you know, and and talking about it, and you know, I'm vulnerable. I, you know, let me get vulnerable with you, and and modeling that to other men, so they see it. Oh, wow, it's okay to feel these things, you know, and it's okay to talk about these things. And so going back to what you were saying, no, I was like. Had he said that, it would have been wonderful. But because he tried to pretend to fit in this box, it was what made it like. It, I mean, I'll just speak personally. It made me feel like, well, I'm not. I don't like this. Less there's less desire to talk to you because you're just not gonna, you know, listen to my wife, you know, because because of reasons I don't know. Um. Uh, so yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a. Uh man (laughs) or maybe to expand a bit on what Mara said about vulnerability I think for me it's like I never want to lose that emotional connection I never want to become numb or distant or disconnected or withdrawn we have to be diligent about that I think that's my kind of heed is we can easily drift away to becoming disconnected and disengaged. And it an active. There are pressures pushing us to do that. And this, especially in this kind of toxic masculinity, I think that's a pressure that pushes us to not engage with our emotions. And so, (laughs) yeah, resist, fight back, be be open and and vulnerable uh, with people around you.
1: Okay. Um, this might be too spicy and we might cut it out, but we'll decide that in the editing stage. Um, so I have like a couple of things in mind. For one, like we're in Philly right now and like we walk down the street a lot. And like Izzy gets a lot of stares and like cat calls and whatnot because she's just beautiful. It's just the way it is. Um, but I, I don't really feel the need to like quote mark my territory or like defend her or whatever because one I'm like it would be hilarious if she's the one to reject someone like that would just be really funny and embarrassing for that person and two like I don't own her you know like she's her own person she can make those decisions for herself and I don't feel the need to be like make sure you wear a tablecloth cover up whatever I don't know that's one thing I have in mind and the other one is maybe a little spicier Um, (laughs) the other one is that like, I'm getting a vasectomy, I have a vasectomy scheduled. Um, and the reason why is because like, I don't know, like birth control options for women are just, none of them are good. None of them, like, you know, like there's so many like reactions to the medication. I've heard so many horror stories about IUDs. And then for men, it's like a vasectomy is like no side effects, reversible, easy, done. And I feel like so many men have this, like, weird, like, protection of their manhood when it's like women are always expected to, like, go get work done on them. But men aren't, you know, like, that's not like a reciprocated thing. Um, but, you know, I feel like, honestly, it's something that materially helps women, you know, like, it's something that I can do that protects us from unwanted pregnancy And protects Izzy from unwanted side effects or from, like, the worst pain ever from an IUD. So, yeah, I don't know. Those might be too spicy.
0: (laughs) Well, you're not saying that everyone has to do what you're doing. You're saying that that's what you're doing, you know? So there's a difference. (laughs) Um, You
4: guys know the Michael Scott... uh, Snip, snap, snip, snap. (laughs) Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap.
0: (laughs) Uh, Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just really appreciate all you guys, um, speaking to all that. And like, um, yeah, because like, there's obviously like so many things that like space makers are asked to, to touch on and to talk about. And like, I don't know, like, like we're asked to like, oh, can you guys talk about like modesty culture or dating culture and things like that, that I'm like, are these important? You know? Yes. But like. I feel like if we are able to kind of tackle patriarchy and toxic masculinity, a lot of those things will kind of solve themselves, not solve themselves, but you know, like we'll be able to kind of see those things in a different light. Cause it's like, all right, if we're able to kind of look at the fact that, you know, like society or American society or whatever you want to call it is very like, okay, here's this box and this box. And one of the boxes are above the other box. Like, you know, there are two categories and not only are there two categories, one of the categories has a lot more power over the other. And, you know, once we kind of dismantle this, then, you know, if we think about modesty culture, it's like, okay, is this really, um, a question of how much shoulder can a woman show or is this a question of why are we sexualizing women and why are we making a four-year-old go put on a a dress that covers up like you know what's what's wrong with that you know um or like yeah dating dating culture and like let's you know let's talk about boundaries for and dating for three hours it's like yeah we could but or we could just talk about like aggression in men and self-control and you know things like that and it's like once we do cover those things I feel like a lot of those you know problems will honestly go away if we're like you know maybe we can just cover this toxic masculinity thing and worry about that um but anyways just as a last kind of question um after this recording, we're going to do uh, an episode with um, Lisa Johnson and my friend Selena Bello. Um, Meigs might be on there too, but we'll see. Um, but basically, we're going to talk about like the women's side of things and gender roles and this concept of mutuality, um, which we'll get into a bit more. But basically, just like the women's perspective and maybe a new teaching for a lot of people in terms of how to view gender roles. Um, I know you guys kind of know what mutuality is. It's not, maybe not all of the listeners do, but we'll explain it. But anyways, I just kind of wanted to see if any of you guys kind of wanted to, I don't know, just like prep the listeners <laughs> for an episode like that. Because, you know, we wanted the men to kind of go first in order to kind of pave the way because the men do have the power and people will listen to men having the mic a lot more. And so- We wanted to kind of use that as like, if there's any, um, anything you guys wanted to say to kind of, yeah, pave the way or prep for everyone hearing from the women. Mario?
3: Yeah. So I think the thing for me is Jesus thought to, you know, just not have image bearers over other image bearers. And so why are we as a church community, you know, you know, big picture, trying to uphold, no, this box goes above this box. I love how you put it, by the way. So I think it's just like, no, Jesus would flip that upside down. But I think Jesus wants, yeah, no, you're an image bearer. And so are you. And, you know, be free. Like, I think Mm. the part of like toxic masculinity that is so toxic is just that it limits you. You're supposed to be this way. And you're supposed to be that way. When Jesus is like, no, God made you be who you want to be if you're a man and you like gardening or you like doing dishes or you know whatever is the stereotypes that we've made like those are not from god you know even if we pretend them to be
4: yeah um for me being a church leader in the icoc who has to navigate through his own convictions but also lead a people who um also have their own conclusions um, to make any decisions period is really vulnerable. And my hope is that uh, whatever decisions I make can be trusted that there are, there is like research, there is uh, surrounding around me, but most importantly, like a posture towards Yeshua, you know, um, that none of my decisions are going to be out of my own volition um, and to like respect me as that. And, uh, but also that same respect that you apply to me, res- please re- apply that to the women uh, in our, in our, in our family that we call family of churches, right? Um, cause I'm honestly sick of it. Like I'm sick of the, 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 uh, just the chattering back and forth and clapping back behind people's back and the conversation outside of the conversation and the, you know, the working this whole like, rumor mill because that's really what it is like stinging gossip and i haven't been using names you know like this isn't gossip and this is all conversations that have been had behind the scenes so um if this like i don't know strikes your heart or if you feel offended um you know where i'm at (laughs) so i just think that like i i i long gone are the days for me where I can't learn from women. Um, And you can draw conclusions based off of that statement. uh, But if you're actually wanting to know, and you're curious about who I am and like how I posture myself towards Jesus and towards women, then hit me up.
2: Love you guys. Yeah. And thanks both. Um, Excellent points. And I think in a way, just a generic point that often applies is remain open-minded and i know that's that's so hard with time it's so easy to get uh, ingrained um with things and we have this there's the kind of bias towards history or tradition like just because something has been done a certain way that means it's probably right and uh you don't have to look very far in history to realize that that's not, things do not work like that. And and hopefully you see that we, we learn and grow and mature and sure we'll slip up at times. Um, we can slide. Um, but I think just <clears throat> for the listeners to just, just come in, if you can, come in kind of fresh and hear, try and imagine I'm hearing about these things for the first time. In a new way, without any uh, baggage or presumptions, um, because I, I do think it's an area, gender roles, is an area where we're very consciously or not, we're very influenced by history and culture, and that's that's an issue. If we <clears throat> if we really want to celebrate the incredible gifts that women have, uh, and and Allow them to be used fully. Um, or I say allow. Let me be clear. (laughs) Uh, Encourage, like support. Not allow us and give permission. Um, (laughs) Just to clarify, I'm not giving anyone permission. That's not my place. Let's be clear. Um, But to celebrate, (laughs) don't cancel me. (laughs) Um, we, We should. Yeah, we should be proud of the skills and the gifts we have. And I appreciate even Devin and Isabel, like you're a great example of that, where you're not, you're not de- determined by the, the stereotypes of, of what your gender should look like um, or your relationship should look like. You both fill in the skills that you have and we're all better for it. That should be obvious. Um, I'm grateful for that. So just please guys, say a prayer if you need to beforehand, if you're worried, you know god help me to listen help me to be humble help me not to judge or assume um but to to learn and respect and consider and yeah hopefully have more of those conversations you know that that's also part of the purpose is it's the beginning the podcast can kind of spark some thoughts that you can share with people in your life i I'm, i think a lot of good can come from from talking about these things and and being able to learn like that.
0: Appreciate that.
1: Okay. I think I'm just going to have a lot of spicy takes today. Um, Yeah, I I would say if you're a man listening to this apprehensive about listening to this next mutuality episode, um, think of the thing that you're really good at, that you love doing, that you're like a professional and you're just objectively really good at it. There is a woman in the world that is better at it than you. And are you telling me you're not going to listen to her? Like, I think it's ridiculous that we put women in a box that they have to behave a certain way when, you know, there's someone that's better than you at what you're best at. That's a woman. And you're just not going to listen. I think that's just such a waste. So I don't know. I, I doubt there's many of those listening, but if if that's you then i think you really need to think about that
3: if i could say sometimes that person is in your own house in your <laughs> own marriage and that's okay like i i know sometimes like oh we pretend like oh you know men's supposed to take care of the finances but what if she's better like and and it is funny cuz like you know like you know if your wife is better with that you know that but we're still pretending like I get the final say, but I mean, it's kind of silliness.
0: (laughs) So silly. Um, Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. Um, Is there anything else you guys want to add to anything that we talked about? Anything you feel like you want to say before we kind of close out?
3: I think something I'll add. I, 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 I love my favorite Devon spicy take. It's just how easy it is. For somebody, a man that fits in the box to deal with that. Because then I'll just have to deal with the same person over and over again. If they all look the same, if they all behave the same. But it just robs men and humans of just the complexities of, of us. You know, like, no, Jesus didn't treat even even the sinful woman and, and you know, everybody else seen you know, in the Gospels. Like, he treated everybody as they need you know you think of a gardener like you don't you don't give all your wa- your plants the same water and the same sun and the same everything like no you give it the specific you know care that they need and i think you know we we sell leaders short you know by just having them like oh i just have to deal with all the men the same way because they're all supposed to be the same but i think it, the the kingdom will thrive when we let everybody be who they they are as opposed to who they're supposed to be quote you know
0: there have been so many times i have seen a man wanting to weep but instead beat his heart until it was unconscious Nayura wahid the first act of violence that patriarchy demands of males is not violence towards women instead patriarchy demands of all males that they engage in acts of psychic self-mutilation that they kill off the emotional parts of themselves. If an individual is not successful in emotionally crippling himself, he can count on patriarchal men to enact rituals of power that will assault his self-esteem. Bell hooks. Here at Spacemakers, it is our prayer that men are able to throw off harmful narratives and stereotypes and are able to squash toxic masculinity in favor of being always striving to be a better and healthier whole person, with no fear of being man enough or tough enough. We want so badly for people identifying as male to have compassion for their weaknesses and their softness and their full range of complex emotions. We also wish for men to see how they have perpetuated patriarchy and male privilege And to not make that mean that they're horrible people, but to acknowledge that everyone has work to do in this area. To always be learning from the experiences of less privileged identities. To always be okay with making mistakes, but owning up to them and doing better. To fight for women and marginalized people. To not just sit back in their comfort, but to see that there's so much pain around them as a result of the inequality that Jesus would have wept for. And to have the humility to acknowledge where they might have turned a blind eye to the pain and then learn how to help build a better world that Jesus would have wanted. We hope you enjoyed this toxic masculinity episode. And again, please don't think that the next episode is just for women because it absolutely is not. So please, if you're a man who is listening to this, we want to challenge you that out of everyone, you guys should be going to listen to that episode. We have so many good resources for this episode, y'all patriarchy toxic masculinity you name it our top recs would be reading jesus and john wayne or half the sky both books which are listed in our website page for this episode we will also link the feelings wheel we talked about today and just so much more good stuff that you guys have to check out as always follow along on instagram at spacemakers.podcast and join our facebook community group linked in our website Thank you so much for listening and for coming to our space.